Hey dads, you're listening to Abba Father Podcast, where we discuss how the Bible and theology informs and equips us as parents. We believe that the more we learn about our Heavenly Father and apply His teachings, the better it makes us as dads. I'm Matt. I'm Brando. And I'm Cameron. Today we are talking about the role of being a father and how it's balanced with being the role of a provider. And we want to discuss the perspective that dads have with their careers, their family, and their personal goals and work. Brando, who do we have as a special guest today? Today, we have the honor of talking with my very own father, my Abba father, Don Soche, straight out of rural Arkansas. Um, I asked him to come on um, because that is one thing I've always respected about my dad is his work ethic and his balance of fatherhood and work life. So I'm excited about this interview. Welcome, Don. It's good to be here, I think. We'll see. <laughs> the pleasure is ours, Donovan. Yeah. It's good to talk with you guys. So, Dad, uh, the first question that uh, we're wanting to discuss is what are some of the challenges of being a Christian dad in the workplace? Just being a Christian in the workplace is tough because you kind of have to live an example. And the way, and, you know, you, you don't, so it kind of, you have to pick and choose who you're going to associate with. Because, you know, I don't want to, when I was working, I did not want to hear things that I might repeat at the house accidentally. So you just kind of have to stay away from, there's just certain people that you you have to learn who you're going to be around and what you're going to listen to, what stories you're going to hear. There's some Thanks proverbs like that. that talk about that. That sounds like yes, wisdom. There are. Some wisdom there. Yes. Now, and I, talking about that, every time I would feel myself in my entire Christian life, any time I felt myself slipping, what I would do is I would go to the proverbs, and I would for a month I would read the proverb for that day you know, on the first of the month I'd read one and two and I'd do that for a couple of months and that always helped me get my my focus back always has so did you find that uh, um, where you worked had a big influence on your um, the things that you talked about or you thought about or even your parenting at home when you left work well, you know, when Brandon was, the whole time we lived in Texas, we left Texas when Brandon was about 10 or 11, and the whole time we lived in Texas, I was a restaurant manager. So that's all Brandon knew me as. And so I was able to control pretty much everything I that went on, and you know, because... 
do as I say or hit the road. But uh, I spent so much. I'd work 60, 70, 80 hours a week. So, you know, it was, it was uh, I didn't talk. I didn't. Unfortunately, my work followed me home because I was the manager. Lily used to start, his mother used to get mad because my boss would call at three in the morning. Hmm. How come the numbers didn't add up? Nothing? You know, I'm wasn't even there tonight. Why aren't you calling me? But anyway, you know that's part of the job. So it was hard, but you know, home was home and work was work. You get you have to separate them, and you can't take your job home with you under you know. And I know that that's, you know, there's a lot of workaholic dads out there that they can't separate the two, but you have to. If you want to raise a kid to be a kid, to grow up and be somebody respectable, you have to separate work from home because home has to take full, full attention. Y'all know that. Is there some things that you did in particular to help create those boundaries and those barriers well yeah yeah i would i well i made sure that uh i was in church every sunday with my family that was my one i had two days full days off tuesday and sunday and we were in church every sunday i made sure we were in church every sunday and i tried to stay in the word just as much as i possibly could and like i say whenever i would start i could feel myself getting separated, you know, starting to go down the wrong path. And that started, and Proverbs were my lifesaver. They would get me back on, on path every time. But I'd do it for a good three months in a row doing that. Doing it right now. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm off path, but <laughs> we're just going through Proverbs. Yeah. Well, I know that a few of us, have different home lives like Brando I know Marianne stays home right with the children for me Jody works full time and so I think each of those has that challenge and and Jess is in and out right Matt she's at the coffee shop but also at home often yeah so how do you balance I know for us it's a challenge of how do I support my wife when I get home after a long day or a long week that builds up, whether she stays at home or whether she's also in the workforce, I find that that's a challenge then to pour out even more and support once I'm home after I've already poured out so much at work. Well, I can tell you this. I, I've, you know, I've been married for 41 years now to my first wife. The whole time that we've been married and after... When Brandon was born, my wife worked. His mother worked. We both worked. So I shared with the house duties too. If she cooked, I cleaned the kitchen. If I cooked, she cleaned the kitchen. And you know what? When you're out there working with a bunch of hard-headed guys that don't that think a woman, that reason you marry a woman is so she can cook and clean. They can get you ribbed at work a lot. But, you know, you just have to, you guys are idiots, and move on. But, you know, that's, but that's what it is. You know, you can't, can't expect your wife to, go to work and come home, cook, 
take care of the kid. Part you got to take care of part of that too. So another question we had for you, Don, was how do you manage balancing your work or career goals with family? In the West, we obviously are very goal-driven, career-driven, that sort of thing. So how did you balance that with family? Like I said earlier, I worked a whole lot of hours in Brandon's formative years. Uh, But when I wasn't at work, I tried to make time for him as much as possible. For example, uh, I was off on Tuesdays. But at 10 o'clock on Tuesdays, I had to go to manager meetings. But I would get Brandon up an hour early for school, and we would go have breakfast together somewhere. Every Tuesday, we'd go to a different restaurant, and we'd have breakfast together, and I'd take him to school. And then when he got home, I would we'd build models or play a game, or I'd take him to the movies. And he'd embarrass me at movies. <laughs> we'll have to get into that story. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Tuesdays was his. When he got, when he, before school and after school, Tuesday was for him. And then Sunday, we'd go to church together and I'd, we'd spend Sunday together, try to go to the park or something. But, you know, when I was there, I, you know, I, I tried to make him and his mom and, priority I'm interested in your perspective now looking back working up to 80 hours some weeks when Brando was a kid do you look back at that and say that was that's what we had to do I would have cut back if I could have done it again um there's really there's really no changing it. I'm I'm proud of I'm proud of what happened and, and, and this is this was the right path to take. What is your thought looking back at that now? I would have rather had a nine to five Monday through Friday job. If it making half as much money I would have done it. Mm-hmm. Because fortunately for me, I had a wife who was a super strong person and mother. So my absence, did I don't think it affected him as much as it does most kids. But I don't recommend that kind of a career for anybody that's got kids. Nobody. You need to be home. Be home at night, every night. The thing that I, that I find the most that I respect my son for the most right now is the fact that he tucks his kids in the bed every night. I would have loved to have done that. But I was gone to work before he got up for school, and by the time I got home, he was already in bed four nights a week. So, you know. And I think I think that a, parent, a father needs to be there for the kids every night. So, yeah, I would have done it all different. I didn't need to make that money then. It's not doing me any good now. (laughs) That's a great perspective. I don't know, Brandon, if you had anything else to add there, but that's a great perspective for us as young guys. Yeah. We're all mid-30s thinking, 
Um, you know, obviously, the more money you have, the more peace you could have, the more things available to you to make your life more comfortable. So it's really good to have that perspective of someone twice our age saying, it didn't enhance my fatherhood and my parenting to have the extra money that I had due to that lifestyle. Yeah, what does when I can say I remember uh even in the the midst of the working hard, I remember those Tuesdays uh very fondly. I that's one one of the few things that I remember from my childhood is going to get breakfast with dad and building models. And, um, I, and I, that is, you know, I, I will say when we, when we moved to Arkansas, um, yeah, uh, dad changed jobs and he ended up having, um, a lot less hours to work. Um, and one, there was some tension there for a while because, I didn't know him that well, and all of a sudden he was there, and I was 13, and he was telling me to do stuff, and I was like, who are you? And, uh, <laughs> but, right. uh, and, but really, that, that uh, effort he put in did stick with me, and it is something I've tried to do with my kids is make sure that I make time. I've got four kids, you know. He only had one. Um and I try to make a time to go with each one of them and do something um, at some point and balance that out. Um, just this last weekend, I took just me and Gideon went and uh, went shopping around town for stuff and had lunch together. And um, on my day off, and uh, yeah, it is a blessing that my my work is much more flexible and I'm able to to do that all you hear people talking about the need to work the need to work if you've got food in the house and a roof over your head you've got enough you'll never get those years back i'll never get those years back that i didn't spend with brandon tucking him in every night i never get them back and that's a regret and like, but like I say, because I had a a helper with me that was helping me in this, he turned out to be okay. <laughs> I got my issues. Um, Don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, that later in life, um, once we moved to Arkansas, things got hard and I don't know how much we want to get into this dad but uh my mom started having migraines um couldn't work as much and dad started working a different job where he was working nights um and but in that in the midst of that he was still trying to to be the best dad he could be and I think I internalized some of that even then he had some of that mindset of we're we're trying to make this family work and we're going to get by with what we have and we're going to you know and that's something that Marianne and I from our very earliest marriage days is I'm not I've never sought the almighty dollar 
Uh, I started out in, in ministry and made very little money. Um, and then I went into public school teaching and made uh, a little bit more money. Uh, but it's still probably the lowest earning income in, in the country uh, for a college degree job. Um, and then I went back into ministry and Marianne has never had a full-time job and we've scraped by. We figured out how to get by living within our means so that we could be at home with the kids as much as we could and take care of family. Um, cause yeah, that's a, that's a value that's so important is being, uh, work is important. Uh, work is a blessing, but, um, and providing is a necessity. But if you're providing, if you're not living your life and you're not doing um, your most important responsibility of fathering your and leading your household, and you're not, you're missing it somewhere. All right. So Don, for some of our listeners, if they are in the current season of, they might be workaholics themselves or um, working 80 hours a week or just things are um, really focused on work and they got their family and trying to balance that out, how, how could they realize that they're out of balance with family and work? And then what are some tips that you, if you were able to go back in time and tell yourself some, a couple things about what you, what you were missing, um, maybe to a listener today, what would you say to them to get them back into balance? Well, I look at it this way. If you get up to go to work in the morning and your family's asleep, and when you come home from work every day and your family's asleep, it's time something has to go. And no amount of money that you can make in those hours is going to replace your family. I mean, it, you just can't replace the family. That's good. And if they're, if, if they're asleep every time you see them, you're, you're out of balance. Hmm. So my only suggestion would be to... The, everything that you just can live without, live without it. You know, you don't have to have a second home in the Hamptons. You don't have to have a va- fancy vacation three times a year. You know, just be with family. You, your kids will like going to the city park with you on a regular basis more than they will appreciate you taking them to Disney World and not being with them the rest of the time. Oh, that's good. Wow. Truth. Truth bombs. You know, you say that, um, I've told this to Marianne before, and I think you helped model this for me, um, 
at your work, Christians, dads at work, we are replaceable. Anybody could step in and take our place and it would not really be that big of a difference. But at home, we are not replaceable. You can't just switch out a person, a different dad. That's right. And buying expensive gifts doesn't replace you. Yeah. What about the dad that works at 8 to 5, but when they get home at 5, they're dead to the world? I, well, I have a word for that kind of guy, but I don't think y'all want to hear that <laughs> word on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Get your head out of your ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> Turn the TV off and play with the kids, man. Come on. Now it's our phones, man. Yeah. I, well, this is true. Yeah. This is true. Like, I just think about, like, even the current stuff going on in Eastern Europe. It's not like it used to be where you'd get a newspaper, you'd dedicate time to sit and read a newspaper. And maybe that was the thing where you had to say, all right, I'll read this later. Now you just push a button and you have the world, literally, information in front of you. And it's so hard. It's so hard to put that down and focus on Hot Wheels. Or you don't even have to push the button. It gives you a notification that says, hey, hey, I'm here. There's stuff going on. Yeah. Just turn it off. Yeah. If you can't turn it off the whole time, turn it off a couple hours. Just give the family a couple hours every night. You know, if you, if you have a job where you have to be in commun- communication, you know, tell them, look, this two hours is for my family. I'm going to spend two hours with them. I won't be t- reachable. Yeah, I know there's one thing that I have done for a while because I think that eating dinner as a family at the dinner table is important um is also including no electronics at the dinner table and trying to keep that rule because sometimes even i want to break it out just to say hey let's all watch this video this funny video together but trying to keep that rule across the board of like we, we will sit here and just talk we don't even we don't even have to talk. We just eat food and look at each other, but not at screens, not at entertainment, not at anything else, but just being together at it for a dedicated time. That's right. That's right. Cuz it seems like even our evenings are full of activity. If you get done with dinner, then it's getting ready for bed and homework finish up bedtimes pajamas tucking them in it's all a bunch of activity yeah that i had i had a back in arkansas you know i was the town's guitar teacher there and i can't tell you how many parents i'd have to tell them say no do you not know how to say no because their kids were pulling them in every direction. They had basketball one night, softball one night, dance recital one night, this going this night. She said, go, I don't know when I'm supposed to do anything. Your kids don't have to be involved in everything. They need to be involved with you and pick something 
and that's it. But say no, you can't do it all. And and dads have to do the same thing. You can't do everything. And don't try to do everything. The only person you need to do everything for is your family. I'm going to shift gears a little bit, and I want to ask a question about um, being a Christian dad. And what perspective do you think that specifically Christian dads bring to a workplace that's unique? Because we still, I mean, we still got to work, right? So we're we're going to go into these these cultures, these places, these teams, and for the time that we spend with our family that we set apart, that's really good. But we do need to have a time at work. So what do we bring yes. to? What do we bring that's unique and special to work? That's that's unique to Christian dads. We bring a model of what a family should be. You know, a family is supposed to be uh, mother, father, and kids spending time together at home. It's not mother running kids to soccer, to dance, and the dad sitting at home watching football or playing on his computer or something. It's the family being together, doing things together. All, all the family, and too few people know what that means these days. And I imagine your your tip from the last question of saying, "Hey, I know I'm I'm need to be available twenty four seven, but these two hours that's my family hours." Setting up yes. setting up margins like that, and maybe from the uh, workplace perspective, they go, "Wow, like that's he's a little bit different." He's not in here to be and, available 24-7. He makes family a priority. What's what's special about right. that? Well, that's, that lets uh, people know where your priorities are. Hmm. And you have to let people know what your priorities are. Are your priorities making the money at work, or is your priority the little boy that you've got at home who needs who needs your wisdom and whatever you can put in there for him? Don, you're kind of retired now right i'm retired now yes sir okay but you worked in the workforce for a few decades yes, to this I point um i think a lot of times young dads think they can't really put those boundaries in place or they might lose their job or they might lose some reputation or hey if i'm at work i gotta put work first but um <sighs> what would you say about is it actually easier than we make it is it actually possible I know. I know some bosses are just like that, and just they're not going to be gracious towards you. But um, sometimes we maybe create in our minds that, man, there's just no wiggle room here, and I can't put these boundaries in. What's been your experience, and maybe some of that is regret looking back, or you know, what do you think about that? I think that what you, what a person has, what a father has to look at is. Who, whose view of who you are and what you do are you more concerned with? Your family or your co-workers? Do you care more about what your wife and your children think of you or what your co-workers think of you? And I'll be honest with you, every job I've ever had, I don't, I don't care less what my co-workers thought of me. It's what my wife and my son thought of me that was important to me. 
first you want to you have to ask yourself I have to have God's respect I have to have my family's respect and I have to have my own respect beyond that it does nobody else counts and if your job tells you that I want you 24-7 and I, you can't do this with your family, there's other jobs out there. And you could probably find the same job you're doing with a better boss, someone who's more understanding. But, you know, you, you, you have to put family first and you have, to get, you have to earn the respect of your family. That's most important. Tell you what, if I didn't have my son's respect right now, I, I just, what would there be to live for? I have a friend in Arkansas, back in Arkansas. His son doesn't respect him. And it's like, you know, he's done everything. He's bought concert tickets. He's done it first take a son, and he just don't want nothing to do with him. Hmm. If, if, my son felt that way about me. I would just, I might just go jump in front of a semi or something. Hmm. This wouldn't be worth living. Yeah. Don't jump in front of the semi. <laughs> I don't have to worry about that. I've got, <laughs> I think I've got the respect of the people I'm worried about. Thinking of that, I think something that's unique also that Christian dads bring to the workforce, um, and this is something that I really, uh, honestly, I, if I'm honest, I'm not great at, but it is something that um, uh, one of the chief reasons why I thought of my dad when we were thinking about this topic was uh, Christian work ethic is uh should be unique um a lot of guys they're there to um just they're there to make a buck they're there to pass the day and do as little as possible to get through the end of the day so that they can clock out and get their paycheck and um christians uh was it paul says he says you know work for your masters as though you're working for the Lord. Um, not as those who are just, I, uh, you know, men pleasers. And I think, um, I've seen a lot of people who, you know, we've talked a lot about the balance of work and family, but even the, the way that you work when you're at work, um, are you just doing the bare minimum so you can get your paycheck or are you setting an example um, in the way that you work and you take pride in your work and you do it because you're working for the Lord? And that's something my dad always did. And he set that example. He was always the best guy at his job um, and everybody knew it. 
he wasn't trying to get their respect, but he, he was the best guy at the job. And, um, that's one of the reasons why he had to work so, so many hours is because they knew he'd do it right. Um, and I think, um, that's a unique perspective that I think Christians don't think about a lot is that we should be the best workers there when we're there. We, we should be the ones working the hardest when we're there. We should have those boundaries, but when we're there, we're there and we're, we're committed because we're working for the Lord, not for this corporation, not for this person. Um, and God cares about our work being, um, done well. The person that I thought that had the greatest work ethic that I ever knew was my father. Now, I did not get along with my father. My father was not a good father. I mean, he cheated on my mother and, you know, and all the. But he had a work ethic that I, I, I started working with him, going to work with him in the summers. He worked on a milk truck. And uh, I'd go to work with him starting from when I was a little kid. I mean, eight, nine, ten years old. He'd pay me a dollar a day to go work for him during the summer. And we'd be on the way. He'd be driving to work at 2 in the morning and have to pull over to throw up. He was so sick. But he'd go into work because he had to be at work. But what he taught, what he did, what he did teach me was a work ethic. Not only just being there when you need to be there, but what he told me over and over and over: when you do a job, you do a job as if you're signing your name to it. Like an artist, when he finishes a painting, he signs his name to the bottom. Every job you do, whether if you're sweeping streets dumping garbage or cutting diamonds you do it as if you're signing your name to it and that's the way you do it and that's and that and and that's what i've always done you know this is my job people are going to say who did this job well i want to say well it's a pretty good job not let's go redo it man come on it's better to take five extra minutes and do a job right than to spend two hours fixing what's wrong. That's the way I've always thought about a job, so that's the way I've always done it. And I've always thought, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to be an example for these people. They, you know, because, like, and so I need to be doing, as long as I'm not asked to do something that's illegal or immoral or against my beliefs, you do it. You know, once I'm the boss, then I can do it the way I want to. And you just do the best you can. I, I can remember being at work. I, I was build. I used to build ranger boats. Did that for 15 years when I was living in Arkansas. Had a guy one time ask me, "This is, I guess, this has been an example of being a Christian work, a Christian in the workforce." These guys work with every day. We work side by side. And one day he just looks at me and he goes, you must be a Christian. I said, why do you say that? He goes, well, look around. Everybody in here cusses, throws tools, gets mad, and you just keep on going. Just, you know, your feathers never get rustled. I said, well, I'm 
thanks for saying it, but I said I am. But you know, that's and but and that's what Christians in the workforce are supposed to be like. They're not supposed to be telling the stories at the water cooler, the jokes, you know, the X-rated stories and those things. They're not supposed to be talking about all the bad things they've done. It's supposed to be an example for what's right, what's good, showing people what family values are all about. And that's what a Christian is supposed to do at work. A lot of Christians don't want to do it because it get, you know, oh, you don't, you don't mess with him. He's one of those goody two shoes. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's happened to me. I was um, I was working at a place, and the whole culture was pretty negative and vulgar. And um, I had a it was an interesting conviction for me because their their behavior was really really terrible um talking down to staff talking down about customers um quality was um they would they would purposefully not do good do good quality and um i said i met with the manager and i just said hey from my perspective i'm a christian and a lot of these things really um they upset me but I said, I don't want that to be what this conversation is about. I said, I looked at our corporate handbook and the behaviors listed there do not are not compatible with the behaviors that's happening in this workplace. It says no vulgar language inside or out, whether it's in front of the customer or not. It says the quality of the product has to be the highest. You know, I'm, I am seeing the opposite of this happening in the workplace. I said, now for me, I would love it if it changed because, um, as a Christian, I'm, I do these, this kind of culture is, is really, it's not good. And I, I don't, I don't even want to be a part of it, but I want it to change. I want it to be, you know, redeemed and back to where it's, it's original, you know, where it should be originally designed. But I didn't even have to appeal to a Bible. I just appealed to the handbook, you know, just like follow your own rules at least, you know, that would redeem that workplace to at least a suitable level. Um, now the end of the story is not good. I, I ended up having to, uh, gave, I gave my two weeks because I was uh, backed into a corner, um, by a handful of the employees. Um, and they were chanting at me to, um, join in them in vulgarity. And, and basically it was, it was really a very high level of persecution, um, between the employees. But, I mean that that same perspective of I, I'm I'm walking into the workplace and I notice the problem and I'm not just going to run away from it. I say, you know what? There's a chance for redemption here, and I, I I should be a part of it. You know, this is this is what I'm called to do. So, hey, your handbook says operate in this way. At least it's a start. Let's start there. No go. And you know what? Just like dusting my feet off, saying, "Okay, I gave, I, I, I attempted to orient this workplace towards truth. They wanted no part of it, so now it's my time to go the, another direction." And you know, I, I think that's another another perspective that a that Christian dad brings in the workplace, where you, uh, and not just a dad, but just Christians in the workplace in general, uh, a attempting redemption um looking at something that's broken and even if it has a, a bad culture and saying 
I don't want to be a part of it, but I do want to redeem it, to resurrect it, to to have the gospel, to have the kingdom happen here in a place that it doesn't even seem like it fits. Um, I'll at least do my best to make it happen. It may not happen, but um, I'll do do what I can. Well, you know, the first job that I had when we moved to Arkansas uh, was restaurant manager. And I quit that job after seven weeks. I packed up everything and left it in Texas for this job in Arkansas and quit after seven weeks. And it wasn't anything to do with being a Christian, but it was about work ethic. Because they told me they wanted me to do this and this and this. And I told them that there was no way that could be done. Because if I did that, my customer, my the the value of the food product was going to deteriorate bad. And my philosophy in restaurant business is the first person that comes in when you first open and the food's hot and fresh, the last one that you have that night before you close should get that same food, or don't bother with it. And they weren't want, let they weren't going to allow that to happen. So I said. I can't do that. Bye. And I didn't even have any problem, but I wasn't going to let my let that job to let me go against my work ethics, my standards of what I thought the food industry supposed to be. I'm not going to bring it down to their level. But you have to do that sometimes. Man, sounds like from your guys' stories, Taco Bell's gotten kind of bad. <laughs> Wasn't Taco Bell? <laughs> it was not Taco Bell. <laughs> I knew Matt worked there a lot in high school. I, you know, I do have a a, a um, the workplace wasn't redeemed, but it was, in my opinion, judged. And that particular franchise um, that I was working for, that location went out of business after about six months. Well, the, this restaurant that I left. They closed within t- a year after mm-hmm. I quit. So there was, what was there was some justice delivered. <laughs> some work ethic. Yeah, you know, I, well, I, I hated for the restaurant to close because it was needed in that area. But I just, you know, they found that doing it the way they wanted to was not good. So you know, that, that's I guess that's some justice. I wasn't going to do it. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever told y'all this story, and I'm going to tell it to you because y'all got young kids and y'all need to hear this. But, you know, when Brandon was 17, the summer before he turned 18, he left me to go to college and join you yahoos. And he just started playing music with me at church. I was crushed. Hmm. But he was 17, and he was going to another state. And I was afraid he wasn't ready for what was out there. Mm -hmm. And so I did what I thought was my fatherly responsibility. And I, every night for the first year and a half that he was in school, I read Scripture over him. And I want to share that scripture with y'all because 
I'm doing it now for my grandkids because God answered this prayer. I prayed this, I read this scripture as a prayer for Brandon. And when I read it, y'all knew how Brandon was when he got to school. Y'all know how he was when he left. I think you'll agree that God answered this prayer for me. So I'd like to read these scriptures with you if you don't mind. Okay? I'm going to read it because it's been a while and I don't, I don't want to forget anything. It's in Colossians 1, verses 9 through 12. And it says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering and joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, who has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. The first year and a half, Brandon was in school. I read that every day and just said, God, please work in him. Become a light in his life. And when he came home five years later, I think God answered that prayer. Because I saw those, I saw the evidence of that in his life. And I still see it. Amen. I agree. I think he did. And not only did it answer, did God answer a prayer and that scripture in his life for him, but then he was a light for us as brothers and men yeah. and dads today. It's yeah. it's still so, being fulfilled and answered, Don. Right. So it's just, uh, yeah, it's important that you bathe your kids in prayer daily. You don't make me cry over here. Quit it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, it's my job to embarrass you. <laughs> let it go. Let it go. <laughs> I can't let it go. Sure, yeah. Okay, let it go. Okay, sure. Let's try this out. You've made it to the end. We're going to move on to Can't Let It Go, the part of our podcast where we talk about things that are just stuck in our brains. And I'll start off. uh, For me, I am going through the season again where I'm revisiting a bunch of old 90s and 2000s uh, punk and emo rock. <laughs> it's yeah. a, it's an infection sometimes and just got to <laughs> fight it off with listening to some Hawthorne Heights and the used and uh <laughs> taking back Sunday. Um I don't I don't, I don't know if I'm proud of it. Maybe I am proud of it. But don't let it go to your head. <laughs> well, as long as you don't grow your hair back out and dye it black and straighten it. <laughs> Nobody knows about that brand, but now everybody knows. Yeah. Boys like you are a dime a dozen. <laughs> I, 
I would say um, on my Amazon Music, probably if you look at my most frequent plays, uh, Taking Back Sunday is going to be number one. Wow, there you go. So, yeah, Taking Back Sunday songs. That's what's been just ringing in my head for the last two weeks. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with listening to the music of your youth. I still do. That's right. Thanks. He does. Thanks for the encouragement. I, I can't stand anything from the 90s and 2000s. So your youth, what's that, Buddy Holly? <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's a little before me. I'm big into Beatles. And Zeppelin and things like that. Sure. You know, that's my music. That's my music. I love it. I still love it. I still listen to it. All right, Brando, what you got? Uh, so I recently um, played a video game about Sherlock Holmes. Interesting. And now I am obsessed with Sherlock Holmes. I uh, I've been reading the stories and i i bought this uh time magazine uh about the story behind sherlock holmes and arthur conan doyle and i borrowed all the movies from my dad because he had a bunch of them and um yeah i'm just like really into sherlock holmes right now for some reason i find it so fascinating this guy is uh it's a really interesting thing you should listen to the old radio recordings of the Sherlock stories and the old movies. Um, I, I need to check that out. I, I started watching uh, last night. I was building a dresser for my kids and uh, was watching the the new Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman. And I love Cumberbatch and Freeman, they're like the perfect casting choice. Um, but I really wasn't into the modern setting. Like yeah. part of the mystique of Holmes you, is that you era. should watch the movies and and um, radio recordings with Basil Rathbun on uh, Tubi TV. I don't know if you've got that channel or not. They have all the original black and white Sherlock. Those are probably the ones with Basil Rathbone. Yeah, yeah, Basil Rathbone, and they're really he's good. he's like the the most. I don't know. He's just such a good characterization of of Sherlock, and um, Watson is just a bumbling idiot in those movies. And but he's a doctor. It's I mean, it's on. it makes it very comical. So it's a great comic relief to the seriousness of Sherlock. So yeah, I think you'd love it. I'm gonna check that out. Yeah, Cam Chops, what do you got? Um, I I've really been enjoying listening to the Baymont podcast. Um, I'm in session th- or section three. I've listened to 80-something episodes, and we're starting to get into the Gospels now. And he's just kind of done some recaps of each Gospel. And I've read the Gospels. I've taught the Gospels. I've memorized so much of these New Testament scriptures he's getting into. And, man, it's just great. I love getting fresh, uh, fresh-to-me perspectives. Um and stuff that still holds the scripture 
um, as authoritative and as inerrant, but just a fresh perspective on things that I didn't grow up learning. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I, I just, I welcome that. I really like learning different perspectives as long as they still, you know, maintain the integrity and dignity of the faith and the text itself and the church and all that. So I recommend it if you want a fresh perspective. I don't agree with everything they um, they say, but I think that's healthy. I think it's good to learn discernment in that way and see how some other brothers and sisters in the faith um, are walking and reading the text. Yeah. You're almost caught up with me, Cameron. I'm on James. Can I ask a question? Of course. I thought this was let it go. I can't let it go. What's that got to do? Can't let it go? Oh, you can't let that go. Okay. Can't let it go. I can't let let 70s music go. There it is. I just can't, and I won't. I refuse to. Don't let it go ever. Because when you hold on to it, that that passes it down to us. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Brandon can tell you all the great guitar players he's got to listen to because of my record collection. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening to Alpha Father Podcast. If you are encouraged by this podcast, share it with others and review so more can see it when they're searching for God-honoring parenting resources. And if you want to send us a note about the podcast, if you have some topics that are on your mind, just want to say hello, you can send an email to abbafatherpod at outlook.com. We hope to hear from you. Bonus, go ahead and record yourself with an audio clip, and we might even feature it in the show. And as always, dads, remember Romans 8.15, you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Father.